Seven decades ago, the first television adaptation of Superman arrived. Now, it's time to rock it back to the 1952-1958 series Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves. In this rewatch podcast, my guests and I break down each episode, from its black-and-white crime drama beginnings to the kid-friendly color seasons, as we celebrate one of the most underrated Man of Steel depictions of all time. Welcome to another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss Season 1, Episode 7, The Birthday Letter, is the host of Superman the Animated Podcast, Nathan McKenzie. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for, well, I was going to say thanks for having me on for this podcast for the first time, but thanks for having me back into the uh, into your network. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> you were a guest on my other Superman show, Digging for Kryptonite, a little while back. We had a great conversation about the comic book storyline War World Saga that was unfolding in action comics written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. And it was great to do that with you. And prior to that, you were gracious enough to have me as a guest on your show, Superman the Animated Podcast. And we talked about the Legion of Superheroes episode, New Kids in Town. And that's a it's a perfect opportunity. Just like I thanked Zach Moore when he was on for the first episode of this show. I want to thank you too, because you were another inspiration. You you were in this club of uh, podcast hosts doing a Superman rewatch show. You've been going through and you've now completed the entire the entirety of Superman the Animated Series. And so kudos on that. And thank you for having me on your show. Because listening to your show and then and doing that and seeing how much fun it can be to really dig into these individual episodes and go show by show was was again part of the inspiration for this. Oh, thank you very much for those kind words, and uh, and yeah, and the best thing about it, I love the fact that we got the opportunity to have some great guests on your podcast already, and to go through blow by blow with an episode and have someone else to discuss it as well, and uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful to talk about this episode today, and it'd be interesting to see where our, where our um, discussion leads to, but um, but yeah, it was just, I had so much fun watching this. Um, like you, I watched it a couple of times. Um, and I've, I've watched every episode leading up to this. So, so yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, this will, this will be a lot of fun. So like I like to do when, when we have a first time guest on the show and so far, everyone's been a first time guest. We're still early on here. What is your history and experience with the George Reeves adventures of Superman series? And, and what sort of role does it play? Has it played in your Superman fandom? It's funny. I'd, as a kid growing up, I didn't know much about it. Uh, you know, my, my introduction to Superman was Christopher Reeve and Superman 2, I think I mentioned before on your other podcast. Uh, and that led on to other beautiful stories like Lois and Clark, Smallville and the like. But um, when I was in the, the army, I was deployed overseas to Iraq in 2006. And over there, that's when they were starting. So Superman Returns came out. They started introducing Lois and Clark, you know, all those new DVD, Superboy um, and the and the like. So I grabbed they, I grabbed uh, season two of Lois and Clark when I was in Iraq. And when I came back to Australia, I went to visit my father who just happened to be, uh, he had the first two seasons of The Adventures of Superman. And he said, well, while I was home on leave, he said, would you like to watch these with me? And I said, absolutely, it's Superman. And I absolutely fell in love with what, watching the the black and white. I never thought I would. I uh, you know, got through the first two seasons and I, was, I think I was at that stage because you know everyone wants like especially in my brain was okay. I can't wait, wait to watch this in color. So I was getting so excited after watching the first two seasons, then go to color, and then I think I stopped after about six or seven episodes. <laughs> um, 
not because I wasn't enjoying it, just because obviously life took over and other things were happening in my life at that stage. Um, but yeah, definitely loved it from then on in. And I think now after, now that you're starting the podcast and listening to your previous episodes on Digging for Kryptonite as well, um, I can't wait to finish off this series and what a great place to start. Yeah, that, no, it's awesome to hear. And I'm glad that you were able to to share that with your father and have that experience. And it's interesting because that, that period of time when when Superman Returns was coming out, it, it did generate a lot of these these DVD releases, you know, including Adventures of Superman. So I am a fan of Superman Returns. I did a whole episode on it and I, you know, it, it had never been my favorite, but I came around on it in a lot of ways and I can appreciate it now for what it is and its place in the larger mythology. But maybe the biggest gift of, of Superman Returns was that it it prompted these releases uh, you know, and sadly, I know I've talked about this virtually every episode so far, you know, unfortunately now the Adventures of Superman sets are largely out of print and they're harder to come by, but at least we got them, mm. you know, so. Exactly. Exactly. And I've, I've got the first four seasons all ready to go. I need to get five, uh, season five and six and hopefully I'll, I'll start looking online. I hope, but like you've been saying, the price of them is ridiculous in, in some cases, but I think I need to bite the bullet and, and grab them because you never have, might not have this opportunity again. And Hopefully moving forward, we might get them streaming again, uh, but, you know, we just have to wait and see. Yeah, for sure. Well, fingers crossed. We shall see. And <laughs> and again, on this note of, of Superman Rewatch Podcast, so like I said, yours is called Superman the Animated Podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, I know you've, like we said, you've completed your, your look back at the entirety of Superman the Animated Series. We were talking off mic about where you might be going in the future. I don't know if there's anything you want to share now or where people should just stay tuned. What, what would you like to say, if anything? Um, so for a lot of people who know me that uh, this year has been a very uh, interesting year to say the least, just with uh, the work life balance, but now I've finally got that back on track and hopefully early next year, I'm going to be going back to um, either a weekly or a fortnightly episode and start going back into the animated movie. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to sit down at the end of the year and work out a schedule um, speak to yourself and other great people around there to come on the show and uh, yeah, talk some some great animated movies, especially with uh, the, you know when the Man of Steel's involved. Yes, well, I I will happily accept that call if if and when it comes. So thank you, and yeah, I hope people will check out your podcast uh, again. You did a magnificent job going through Superman the Animated Series, and uh, you know as far as you know these these entries in the Superman canon, Superman the Animated Series is is top notch. Uh, and it deserves the treatment that you gave it uh, in terms of that rewatch podcast. So I hope everyone will uh, will check that out. All right, the birthday letter. Like I said, season one, episode seven. This was in the uh, the second production batch. We've talked about how season one did not air in the order in which it was shot. This was part of the second batch of episodes produced. It aired on Halloween on October 31st, 1952, written by Dennis Cooper, directed by Lee Sholem. Here's the synopsis from the DVD sets. Superman is implicated in the abduction of a young girl who is thought to have information concerning hidden counterfeit plates. So let's let's begin, I suppose. What were your overall impressions of this episode? I mean, we'll, we'll get to our final rating uh, at the end here, but just generally <laughs> speaking, what what stood out to you about this episode, big picture? And, and did, did you enjoy it? Um, overall, I did enjoy it. I actually have memories of bits and pieces of this episode. If you go back to the documentary, uh, Look Up in the Sky, back in I, I, I remember that end scene when he's flying with the little girl. And, that, you know, I've seen that so many times. 
But I did have fun with this, even though a couple of times it's I think you've mentioned this a couple of times in the previous episodes, it's just um yeah, the A and B plot came together, but it's out of luck. Like, I mean, they shouldn't have come together, but they did. Um, I love one, you know, the goofy bad guy um, who we'll talk about shortly. Um, I loved him throughout the episode. He sounded like a bit of a Popeye sort of a ca- character, which I enjoyed. Um, you know, so overall, I actually enjoyed what they were trying to do. Um, and there's a couple of da- little couple of dark things in this episode as well that uh, I wasn't expecting. I could, I didn't remember, um, which we'll talk about as well. So yeah, overall an enjoying episode. Yeah. I, I, I would say I, I agree with, with virtually all of that. I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page here. I, I, I liked this episode well enough. I didn't love it. There, there really wasn't anything. I guess I did have one major big picture issue nothing nothing that was horrible but one thing that well i'll talk about in a second but overall it it wasn't like there was anything else that really bugged me about the episode i just didn't know that it was necessarily as as captivating as some of the other ones we've already covered and not a bad episode by any stretch but again this didn't necessarily blow me away it's funny though because i in my head i i feel like i keep conflating this one with around the world with superman from the end of season two uh in both instances, you know, we have Superman flying, you know, flying a little girl around, you know, around. Yeah. And uh, again, rationally, when I think about it, I know that there are two separate episodes and I remember each of them. But as I was heading into my prep for this, I was thinking the birthday letter and like, I remember the little girl and the flying. And I was totally thinking that this was a, a far different, more heartwarming episode. And then I realized, I'm like, no, wait, we're in season one. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and then watching it, it's, it's, um, again, there's definitely some, some good stuff and, and interesting pieces for us to discuss. I think in terms of that overall problem that I had with it, and it might not have been even until my second time through where I was like, wait a second. Uh, so, you know, I read the synopsis, but yeah, basically this little girl uh, intercepts a phone message meant for the bad guy. So she has the information that, that our bad guys of the episode uh, need and they abduct her. They send in their henchman slugger, the, the person yeah. you were, you were talking about. Uh, who impersonates Superman and takes her away. And and then they're trying to get this information out of her, jog her memory. And, uh, you know, we'll go scene by scene and all that, but the kickoff to this episode is this little girl, this same little girl has written a letter to the Daily Planet. Uh, she's unable to walk and it's her birthday and she wants Superman to come and take her to the fair. And Perry White decides to do this big story and they write a letter to Superman in the paper, you know, requesting that he takes her to the, to the fair. So the the whole episode hinges on this huge coincidence that the girl who receives this telephone message meant for Marcel and Marie Duval is the exact same girl who has written to the Daily Planet and is seeking to have Superman take her to the fair. And look, coincidences coincidences abound in these shows and movies. It's it's not the end of the world. But I guess what I was realizing as I was watching this is like, why? We, I, because I was thinking about it. If you take out her whole letter to the planet and, and that piece of it, the episode still works because the bad guys are able to, uh, the, the, the crook who, who called, right. And mistakenly called uh, this little girl named Kathy. Um, he had written down the number incorrectly and the bad guys were able to get a hold of that. So they knew the number that he called and they were able to trace that number through the phone company. So they had this little girl's information. I suppose that the letter to the planet aspect, that's what clues them into this idea of like, oh, we can dress Slugger up as Superman because she wants Superman to take her to the fair. But 
and I maybe I'm nitpicking and overthinking this, but it's like, this is a little kid. Any kid would probably be happy to have Superman show up. I mean, I just feel like the central plot of this still would have worked just fine. And you would have eliminated that, that huge coincidence that had to happen. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Anthony. I reckon the writers sat around the table, even if that's what they did back in the day and actually said, okay, we need to come up with two reasons how this episode works and, oh, this person needs to know that person. And and you said it exactly right with regards to uh, coincidence, uh, you know, and there was no need to put the article in the paper, uh, especially for them to have the paper. Uh, it's funny, I've, I've written the notes down with regards to the newspaper, actually, when they show the newspaper article, which we didn't see the little letter part, it's actually very well detailed, like the, the heading. And I actually I actually paused it and read the articles underneath and everything just made sense. And I was talking about everything that had happened. I thought, well, you thought more about that than you did about the plot. <laughs> but, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from and you, you smack on. But I think that's what they had to do, 24-minute episodes. You know, we had to try and get to the, end, the ending uh, quicker, sooner rather than later, and that's probably how they come up with it. Yeah, no, fair enough. Like I said, it's not, it wasn't fatal to my appreciation of the episode. It was just one of those things where I had a second where I was like, wait a minute, I just feel like it, this, like when you lift out almost all of those other pieces, it still, it still works. So it was just kind of, it was just kind of interesting when, when that sort of dawned on me, but it's all good. I, I, you know, I would say that was as far as overall impressions, that was sort of one of the big (laughs) takeaways that I had, uh, like yourself, slugger, uh, the actor uh, John Doucette, if I'm saying that right, uh, he he definitely made an impression on. We'll talk more about him when we get to his scenes. Uh, and yes, his very distinct voice uh, <laughs> and and cadence. And uh, this is a, I mean, a relatively brief moment, but an important one. And I'll say it now because I don't want to forget at the end. But in the final scene, the final sequence where Superman is flying Kathy, little Kathy, around the city. Uh, we see the reaction shot of the crowd. That's from the opening credits. Yeah. Uh, which I had forgotten that that was actually in this episode. So that was cool to see. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I I totally forgotten about that. So that was a neat bit, I thought. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it all cul- culminates at the end there. And uh, it's it's good the fact that they, you know, they actually took that from like, the opening credits from parts of the, I don't know whether they just decided to just chuck that in after they've done the opening credits or the other way around. But because like most series nowadays, they'll film... You know, you look at it, the prime examples, the animated series, like, you know, pretty much the first 10 episodes are based off the opening credits of Superman, the animated series. So, but whether they did that back then, I'm not too sure, but I, I, it was great to see though, nonetheless. Yeah, it, it was very cool. And just to, yeah, just to get as brief as it was and as, as insular as it was, right. It's just, it's a very tight shot really of this group of people, but just to kind of get this it does convey this sense of grandeur. Like, oh, what is it like for the people of Metropolis looking up in the sky in a moment like that? Like, you don't see a ton of that uh, necessarily. So yeah, I thought that was, it was cool to to see that pop up. All right, listen, on that note, let's take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we'll go scene by scene through the birthday letter. We'll be right back. This episode made possible by educator, hobby comic book collector, and pop culture enthusiast, Sam Lim. Sam is moving to the South Jersey area and looking to connect with other comics fans as well as retailers. They are also looking for their new local comic shop, so recommendations are welcome. Be sure to follow Sam on Instagram at SZLComics. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. 
Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Oh Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit AllYeahComics.com and follow Oh Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Oh yeah. And we're back. All right. So we begin the birthday letter at the offices of the Daily Planet, specifically Perry White's office. Lois comes in. She's received this letter from little Kathy Williams, who's about to turn seven years old uh, and is unable to walk. Uh, the little girl describes herself as crippled, which of course is not a word that is used uh, anymore, but we're going back 70 years here. And her wish is for Superman to bring her to the county fair that's going to take place. And Perry is like, oh, well, we'll take her. And Super and Lois is like, well, I won't, but it's not the same. You know, she wants Superman. Uh, and Perry's idea is to throw this big party for her and, and make a big to-do out of it and sends Lois to set it up and, and, and all that. Uh, I guess I would say in, in this scene in particular, the two things that stood out to me, one was getting to see a little bit of a softer side of Perry which I appreciate. What, what is your take on, on this depiction of Perry in the series generally? You're, you're right though, with regards to Perry, because most of the time you set him as a hard nut, like he's, um, you know, just the way he's interpreted, like he's always got the cigar hanging out and he's, um, you know, but in this episode, there's more of like at the end, Clark tells him, I'll oh, bring back to Henderson. You know, there's, he's actually taking orders. It's like, hang on a minute. A couple episodes ago, Perry's the one dictating that no one is to go anywhere without my say-so, which um, was coming up in a couple of weeks, oh, previous episode. 
but yeah, it's um I do like this take, and it's good to see a softer side of Perry. Um, and he, even he realizes that Superman can't be everywhere. So as a backup plan, but one thing I did love about it brought me back to Superman four. That what it, what do you mean Superman gets mail here? All I thought about was Jeremy sending the note to Superman. So I, I love the fact that um you know that even back then they took two and two together and thought, well, Daily Planet talks writes about Superman, so why not send a letter to the Daily Planet? So I think that was very very well done. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. I wasn't even thinking Superman 4, but of course that makes perfect sense. The other thing that I was thinking of with respect to the mail, I know from our other conversation, I know, you know, you haven't delved as deeply into the comic side, but there was this tradition during the triangle era uh, in the nineties of the Metropolis mailbag issue every Christmas where Superman would go to the post office and read all of the letters that had been addressed to Superman and, and try to help wherever he could. And, you know, sometimes it was people just sort of I mean, everyone sort of wanted something in some way, shape, or form, but some were more selfish requests and others, you know, were, were, uh, were, were more genuine and or selfless. Uh, and those were always some of my favorite issues. I always loved that, this idea that he would even attempt something like this to try to, to, try to respond to all these people who have written to him and, and just to see his reaction to seeing how many people have, have written these pleas to him. So that's what I was thinking of when I was, when I was reading this. I was like shades of of Metropolis mailbag. So yeah, I thought that was cool. And yeah, definitely a, a softer, like a relatively softer side to Perry. <laughs> he wasn't barking in this, in this scene. <laughs> yeah. And it's great to see the fact that he could play both aspects of his character and, and going back to another series, I just hit me then was uh, there was an episode of um, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman, when he actually grabs the mailbags, you know, and he goes through them all. I think that was one of the episodes where, Lois was trying to, um, I think it was season four, actually, Lois was trying to get Clark to go go somewhere with him or trying to surprise him for his birthday. And, you know, she wrote a fake letter and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's a couple of little funny stories there with regards to the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So from there, we meet, we see Kathy Williams, little Kathy Williams at home. She's got her leg brace and she's sitting and playing with her doll. And Home Alone, we'll find out later that, uh, I guess it's a single parent situation and her mom has to work and she can't go to school. Uh, so she's home by herself. And so the phone rings and she answers and it's a hoodlum who will later learn his name is Cusack. And uh, he's calling with this very urgent message with the time and, and date and location of this meeting. And clearly he's mistaken Kathy for someone else. Kathy doesn't know what to make of any of this, despite the fact that she hears a gunshot uh, on, on the other end of the line. Uh, she just sort of hangs up the phone and she's like, oh, it must have been a wrong number, uh, which it, it was. Uh, yep. I mean, I guess one of the things that that jumped out to me, and this is this is par for the course with season one of this show. I mean, this guy gets, he's standing in the phone booth and he gets shot and killed in the middle of this tobacco shop. So again, this was something that you would not see this in the color seasons. No, it- and I love the shopkeeper. We later learn his name when he comes in to get the, re- the reward. Um, but I just love the fact he just, it's his reaction to the whole shot thing. It was just, he just stood back and did nothing. And, you know, like I said, he got shot through the glass when he was trying to make the phone call. It took me the whole episode to figure out what he actually said for the location. Uh, I couldn't get my subtitles up on my DVD for some reason. Um, but we got there in the end and obviously it shows the location at the end. So that made perfect sense. But yeah, just the fact that she said, hello, hello, oh, must have been a wrong number, hung up and just went back to playing with a doll. Um, it's funny, when, when the, you know, we find out that she's home alone, 
but also the fact she's seven years old and she's in a house all by herself. Um, if you did that nowadays, <laughs> there'd be knocks on your door. But um, And I, I originally thought she was playing on her bed, but she's obviously in the living room because she was right next to the phone. Um, but, yeah, it was just an uh, interesting interesting aspect of the fact of that whole scene put together. And obviously we learned later on who that was and, and it went from there. Yeah. I mean, I do like how, I do like how they start to build it out, right. That you get this call out of nowhere, right. With this urgent message and, you know, we don't, we don't have the pieces yet. So I, I, you know, I like that aspect of it, but again, you know, the, the, the coincidences are, you know, instantly, you know, begin here, right. We go right from the, yeah. the letter to the planet now to, to this, but I've said my piece on that, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. So for our next scene, we go to the apartment of our villains of the episode. Uh, we see Slugger first, and then uh, the other two whose names we'll come to learn are Marcel and Marie come in. Uh, you know, they've learned of uh, their associate's death, right? He was the one who was, who was calling. And we find out that they spoke to the clerk at the tobacco shop they realized that this guy Cusack had dialed the wrong number because they had the piece of paper that was uh, in his hand when he died, which had a phone number, but was written incorrectly, right? So he meant to call Marcel and, and Marie, mistakenly called Kathy instead. Uh, Marcel works his magic. He's like, I have a way to trace this through the phone company. <laughs> and we get like a little bit of a dissolve there. It's like some time has passed and then he's hanging up with the phone company and he's got Kathy or not Kathy, but the Williams family, right? The, the, the name and address and phone number. And it's Slugger then who realizes, he's like, well, that's the little girl from the paper, right? He's got this whole thing. He's able to realize that. And Marcel is instantly dismissive of it, right? And it, it takes a couple of tries of Slugger being like, no, no, like this is the girl. And uh, and they start to put two and two together. I, so again, I know we touched on Slugger before, but like, let's circle back to him. Like, what are your initial impressions and, and how, did, how, if at all, do they change over the course of the show? And just impressions of our, of our, of our villains, Marcel and Marie here. What's your take on this, this whole interaction? Um, firstly, after watching the whole episode, I go, go to the, the part where, why would they hired Slugger? Um, unless he was just a, um, I, I don't care if he doesn't do his job right, we're just going to kill him. Um, I actually grew to love him throughout the episode um, from the start until the end. Uh, I had a look on IMDb before we started to see if he's been in other episodes. No, he comes back later, but it's different characters. So I'm interested to see how he portrays those characters. But, but you know, Marcel and Maria, uh, and we find out later from Clark, as soon as he hears the name, he goes, oh, yeah, French. And but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But not not the normal typical villains that you're used to. We find out that they're, you know, counterfeiters with regards to the plates from France and uh, and once we find out the underlining um, storyline and stuff like that, it actually all, all blends really well together. Um, but the fact that they've got Slugger is I don't, their go-to, but he's basically doing all the jobs that he obviously doesn't want to do himself. And there's just, there's just scenes in this episode which I really love when he goes, especially which we'll talk about later with when he goes out and buys more toys for, for Kathy and all that sort of stuff. And then he t- he plays her later and, you know, she goes, you're not really a bad guy. And, yeah, so I learned to love him, but Marcel and Maria, they, they did a good job for what it was. Um, the the ending was a little bit interesting, which we'll get to with regards to the, the, the final gun battle scene, which, uh, yeah, and a couple of, like I said, there's a dark, uh, little dark uh, part where we'll talk about, which only happened for a brief second, but, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. But, yeah, overall, not too bad. But, yeah, uh, interesting to say the least. 
Yeah, they're, you know, they're like you said, they're these counterfeiters. We have this international component. Like yourself, I had a similar thought of like, how did they end up with Slugger, or how did Slugger end up with them? You know, he's he's clearly presented as kind of this oaf, like kind of a dim-witted, you know, uh, big big guy, but ultimately, ultimately not not evil, right? And that, of course, because I think I think if there's any, it's funny because I guess on paper you're meant to. Uh, sympathize and and relate maybe more to the little girl, right? Who's, who gets taken. But I feel like it's Slugger who, I think that's where the heart of this episode ultimately rests because you're right. We see instances in the scenes that are coming up where he brings her toys and he's playing with her and he, he even tries to bring her home at a certain point. So, you know, you really see this as more just a matter of, I mean, again, who knows how he ended up at, at this point uh, in his, in his career, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you get the sense like he's kind of, there's a, there's a good heart ultimately in there. And so I found his scenes to probably be among the most interesting, but this goes back to, uh, I know you haven't heard it yet based on when we're recording this, but when we covered the monkey mystery a, a couple of episodes ago <laughs> and, you know, in that episode, we, and we talked about that, we had a lot of fun talking about this, this, you know, this organ grinder with the monkey and, you know, he's passing these messages between these, these, these mobsters. And it's just like, how did this guy end up, I mean, from both sides, like, how did he do this? Like, how or why did he choose this? And why on earth would this criminal organization (laughs) entrust such valuable information to this guy? It was fascinating. So yeah, kind of here too, it's just like, how did, how did, how did these two parties link up? I would love to know. I definitely want to see the job applications, uh, you know, (laughs) especially nowadays when you go online to apply for a job, I'd love to see what he's, uh, what his job interview was like and stuff like that. But I think it was just basically um, no job experience required. Um, and, you know, if you're if you not not worried about if you're going to live or die, we'll take you. I reckon that's basically the, the ending. Um, but you spoke about it earlier with regards to this is where they, uh, Slugger was trying to explain to them when they were going through, you know, oh, this is the uh, Mrs. Williams place, blah, blah, blah. And they go, no, it's in the paper. And that's when I think we discussed earlier with um, – getting the idea that, oh, she wants to be flying with Superman and then they get the idea and they're both looking at Slugger and he's, and they, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking back to the first time I watched this episode a couple of years ago and because as I've talked about, I'm a more recent convert to the show, but I, I, mean, I love it. But I, I think the first time I watched this, I found Slugger to be more grating than anything else. And I, like I said, my opinion really flipped this time around. Uh, so I, I, I'm on board. I'm on, I'm on team slugger. Uh, in this case with, with Marcel and Marie, this was interesting. Cause I watching it, you know, there is the scene we'll get to later when Marcel takes the forcibly takes the brace off of, yeah. off of, uh, Kathy's leg. And that's like, Whoa, okay, buddy. And even in, in the scene coming up where, uh, they, you know, they, they, try to pass themselves off as, as friends of Kathy. Right. And it's like all the hallmarks of stranger danger that you warn your kids about. Um, so yep. that, you know, that shows an evil in a, in a different way, but overall compared to most of the gangsters that we're dealing with in this first season in particular, I, I found them to be far less threatening or menacing. You know, when we get to the scene where Lois interacts with them, I feel like if this were any other episode, bad guys from any other episode, they would have knocked her out or chased her or something like that. But that's not what we had here. And at first I was thinking to myself, like, oh, is this like they're kind of maybe not as compelling or not as effective villains. But 
I actually appreciate the slightly different flavor and they, they're counterfeiters. They're con, they're con men, right? They're not, they're not those typical thugs that we're used to seeing. So I think it, it tracks. Actually, you bring up a perfect point. Like I said, I, I caught up to all the episodes leading into this one. Uh, and you haven't released the episode yet, but the, the previous episode with uh, Lois going on holidays and she's in the ho- in, goes into the, the hotel room and then she tries to do the same thing she does in this episode. She does the whole, you know, oh, I'm here, but I'll just leave now. And she tries to leave, but then she gets stopped by the, the bad guy, the villain, who knocks her out, which is pretty forceful in that episode, by the way. Um, but, yeah, but in this episode she did the same thing, but she was able to leave. And the two villains just said, well, this is not our priority. Our priority is to get the plate. So let's worry about that and then let's skip the country. So, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, your take was 100% dead on. Yeah, like I, I definitely think it works. So, yeah, we end that scene, like you said, with Slugger being like, why are you looking at me? Because they've hatched this plan. They're going to have Slugger dress up as Superman. Oh, uh, boy. Which, as we'll see, the least <laughs> convincing Superman <laughs> impression you've ever seen. Uh, and and have her have use him to try to get this information from Kathy. But before that, we're back at the Daily Planet. We're in Lois's office. Clark comes in. I love this little interaction here. No, you go. Take it. <laughs> I'll let you talk about it in detail, but I love the fact that um, I'll, I'll just, my overarching part about this whole interaction, Clark's been away, obviously, you know, through something nasty with a train wreck and stuff like that. And what have I missed? But everything that he's missed is read in the paper when he was in Chicago. So he knows everything that's going on just by reading the paper. Lois didn't have to tell him anything. So, like I said, I love the interaction. I thought this was beautiful. I love the fact that Clark's been away and Lois wanted to talk to him. But other than that, he read the paper while I was in Chicago and everything she said, he go, oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. What else you got? So that's my take about this whole story. Oh, I think we, we got disconnected there for a second, but I think we, uh, let's see, say something. You got me back? Yes. <laughs> Did you knock yeah. your microphone or knock the cable out of the microphone? Yeah, I was getting excited. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I was, yeah. But overall, um, like I say, I love the interaction between the two characters. But yeah, just the fact that Clark um, basically knew everything by just reading the Daily Planet, I thought was 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 great. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. It was again, and this has come up now a few times in episodes where I, I love the episodes themselves. I'm not trying to say that I wish the show were something else, but. There are these moments where I say to myself, oh, like uh, it would have been really interesting to follow Clark on the Chicago trip. You know, clearly he was in Chicago because he says to Lois, he's like covering train wrecks, grim business, you know, so, you know, and again, no idea. Was this something he tried to save as Superman? Was he just there totally after the fact as Clark? We don't know, but he's been in Chicago. He's been covering a train wreck. Like you said, he picked up a Daily Planet and was able to catch up on all the news, but still comes in to get debriefed by Lois. And, uh, and they talk about, uh, Cusack, the guy who was killed in the uh, in the tobacco shop and all of that. And and then, of course, the Lois mentions the little girl who wants to go to the fair with Superman. And I love this little exchange where Clark, and it's just this, not that slyness is the right word, but there's such a, there's such a charm to him in that, like a twinkle in his eye, right? And uh, I love the way he's like, you know, has Superman ever let you down, Lois? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, you know, what, what makes you think he's going to start now? Or I'm sure he won't now, something like that. <laughs> Uh, so it's just this nice moment and, uh, oh, and cause Lois says like, I, I hope Superman read it and he's like, oh, I'm sure he has. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was a nice moment. And, you know, from there he's right into the storage room out as Superman, uh, and, and beelines for, 
uh, the Williams apartment where he finds Kathy's mother, who's brought home all this stuff to make a big, uh, a big party. This was, I thought this was one of the most interesting scenes of the episode where he's like, here, I'm, you know, I'm here for Kathy. And you know, the mother's like, what are you talking about? Like you already took her. And she shows Superman this note that Kathy wrote in Kathy's handwriting and saying, you know, Superman came, you know, I'll be back later, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, clearly the mother, you know, very quickly starts to realize that something's, that something's wrong, but she, you know, basically accuses Superman. She's like, what did you do with her? You took her. And I, I liked Superman in the scene because he was, he was, you know, kind, but stern when he's like, you're mistaken. Uh, but I just thought, no, actually before, what was your take on this scene and that interaction between them, especially after the realization that, that Kathy was taken? Um, I had to watch this scene a couple of times, actually, uh, just to clarify what you just, what you, you were saying before. Initially, I thought once he, once she realized that Superman said, no, it wasn't me, I thought she was actually okay with it. But then actually watching it the second time, I come to the realization that she didn't believe him. And you look at Superman's expression at the end, he's reading the note and even he's perplexed going, what's happened here? Someone's, you know, cause no one's done this before. No one's pretended to be me. Um, and as we find out later in the next scene, I don't understand how Kat, if Kathy's a big fan of Superman, how she would have thought that Slugger would be anyway. That's another story. Um, depending how many pictures they've put up on the Daily Planet of, of Superman, I suppose, they might have put him in close up. It might have been just pictures from a distance. I, I can't remember exactly. But, but yeah, it was – and the fact that she goes, I'm, I'm going to see the police. And, um, yeah, so watching it the second time around – um, yeah, I actually felt for Superman here because even at that stage, it's probably the one time that he's actually stood back and unable to speak because he didn't have an answer. Absolutely. You know, going back to the description from the DVD set where it says Superman is implicated in the abduction, you know, that I, I've kind of been <laughs> criticizing these descriptions in all the episodes because I feel like, yes, that's part of the episode. That's not, I wouldn't say that's the main, you know, the main point necessarily, but it is probably to me the most interesting point. And not again, not to Monday morning quarterback this thing 70 years later, but I wish that this aspect had been far more prominent in the episode. There's an upcoming scene where Lois and Clark are, are in Clark's office and Lois is reading an excerpt from one of the other papers in the city mm. that, you know, uh, is basically criticizing the Daily Planet for still supporting Superman. So you get this sense that there is some public sentiment out there now against Superman for allegedly taking this girl Again, I wish, like, I I would have watched a whole episode all about the public turning on Superman because I think that's such a interesting angle, and especially in the first season of this show, where you know, and this varies episode to episode, and especially since they're airing out of order, right? Some episodes people are like, "Hey, who are you?" And other episodes, it's like, "Oh, hey, Superman." So, and we kind of bounce back and forth in that, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was such an interesting idea that this woman, this mother would not instantly believe him, would not give him the benefit of the doubt, would not say, oh my, like someone else took, you have to help me. Like she's, like you said, she's like, I'm going to the police. Mm. Uh, so very interesting. I wish, yeah, again, I wish more of that had played out, but I thought it was really a really interesting idea. And then this kind of ties in immediately with the next scene. Like you said, we see Slugger carrying Kathy uh, in through the window and Again, like he, again, looks nothing. It wasn't even like he was able to procure uh, an accurate mm. replica costume. I mean, it's, this is the 
homemade things, you know, slapped together. He doesn't look or sound anything like Superman. And that's what Kathy says. She's like, you don't look like Superman. You don't act like Superman. You don't sound like Superman. And what I'm thinking to myself is, and this, again, may be nitpicky, but uh, they could, it's just interesting to me that they could have played this that she was more believable. Because realistically, how much would the general public have really seen and heard of Superman? At the, especially at this point. I mean, when we get to like that crime wave episode towards the end of the season, and I think Superman's giving, you know, he's giving remarks at a press conference or something like that. I mean, that's okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, but again, I don't know at this point, and I know, again, they're airing out of order, but you just kind of wonder, you know, how much has the public, because to your point, it's like, yeah, I'm sure the Daily Planet has run pictures, but close-ups, I don't know. Mm. Uh, and especially acting and sounding. It's like, I, you know what, I guess she's basing it on what she's, you know, read in these stories about Superman, but I don't know. It was just an interesting angle to me. I thought. No, you're 100% correct. And I had that in my notes too. Like, you don't act like him, you don't sound like him and all that sort of stuff. But what I did, uh, lo- but it'd be uh, interesting whether uh, she had those thoughts when she first met him at, at her place. Like, you know, Superman's arrived and then all of a sudden he's carrying her the whole way. She goes, why did we go up the, you know, why did we go up the outside? Why didn't we fly up? And, you know, having all those questions that he couldn't answer. And he was, but I, I'm, but definitely the S wasn't for Superman. The S was for Slugger. And I love the fact that they even put the S on the back of the cape, if I remember correctly. So I love that little aspect. But even then they, they weren't going with the, you know, the trunks on the outside with Slugger. So he, he probably, the actor probably said, I'm not doing that. But, but, uh, but yeah, so they could have done that so much better with regards to um, how they did it. But, um, Maybe it wasn't in the budget. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you definitely do get this comical effect of him in this costume. Uh, now, I'll, I'll argue against myself here for a second, because what we see in the final scene of this episode, after Kathy's been returned home, we see her reading a oh, Superman yeah. comic. Yep. Which, you know, this kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know how the logic of this works, that Superman comic. <laughs> exists within this universe, but that's fine. It, you know, I, I, I could buy, right? They've started to make comics based on Superman. They're not necess- they don't necessarily mirror what's in the real world, but it is literally Superman 72 uh, that, that she's reading. So I so I don't know, maybe she's, ba- what the comments that she makes to Slugger, maybe she's basing it on what she's reading in the comics. It could have been. Um, I actually made a note of that. I was trying to look at the front page thinking, is this his origin story on the front page of this comic book? Has he spoken about his origin story? To I can't remember throughout the series whether he actually talks about where he's from. Uh, I'm sure you can enlighten me. I just can't remember um, after my watching back many years ago. Uh, but I just love – but even when Superman arrives at the end, which we'll get to – she did not look happy to see. She wasn't excited. So I don't know whether she's had second thoughts after Slugger initially thinking, I don't believe you. But then after he started talking and actually she started, as soon as he mentioned the fair and she got more excited and went from there. But obviously when they started flying, she realized it was the real deal. But but yeah, that, that was interesting, the end scene with, with those two together. And the comic book got, yeah, my thoughts were, I know, like I said, it's out of order, but the seventh episode, and we've already got a comic book for the for Superman. <laughs> But uh, unless it was a another Superman, I don't know. Too many different variables you could go through. Yeah, and again, you know, I I just I always make sure I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. I, I I again, I totally understand that they, these episodes were produced in batches and then were were aired in, in the in the order that they were. I guess 
even even if they were, and I mean, I, I you know, I don't know how how tight they intended for the continuity to be per se. Like, I we feel like we might still might be running into these these <laughs> types of issues anyway. I don't know, but as far as this idea of a comic book existing, you know what this calls to mind for me uh, as a Smallville fan. The series finale of Smallville, where in the flash forward that we get at the beginning and end of the show, we, we, I won't, you know, for anyone who's, who that still hasn't watched, I won't spoil too much, but we see one of the characters reading a Superman comic to another character, and it the comic details the personal events of Clark's life. So it's just like, how, how does this exist? <laughs> <laughs> does this possibly exist? It's not as big of a deal here in this Adventures of Superman episode. Because again, the girl's reading a comic. You don't see inside. You don't know what it is, right? So uh, it could yeah. just be a different version of what exists in the real world. But uh, that Smallville thing to this day, I'm like, this makes no sense. <laughs> I I would love to be able to get my hands on that prop though. I wonder if they actually sold it or whether they, if uh, one of the actors in the show was able to keep it. But that would have been... Obviously, knowing the fact that it went on to produce, you know, season eleven as a comic book series, but, but yeah, it'd be really cool prop to have in your collection. Yeah, for sure. So at this point, uh, Marcel and Marie enter, and we get, we'll we'll call this the stranger danger portion of the episode, where, you know, M- Marie really takes the, uh, the the gentle approach. You know, I'm your we're your aunt and uncle, and. Uh, we're throwing you a birthday party and you're going to have ice cream and you're going to have cake and we're going to have so much fun. And uh, we'll call your mother and your mother knows where you are. Like, again, all the stuff that you warn, you warn your children about. So that's the thing in this episode, you don't have like, you're right. You don't have what you saw in the pre previous episode with night of terror, where those guys are rough, like real, like that's a, that's a violent episode generally, especially for a, a kid's Superman show ostensibly. Um, so here you don't have that, but there is a creepiness to this for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I love the fact that uh, as soon as she started offering all these things to Kathy, Kathy also, you know, can you remember what the man said on the phone? And she straight away went, oh, yeah, I remember it was at, you know, at 10 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. And then, but as soon as it come to the fact that she couldn't remember the location, you could, you can see, yeah, Maria, whether it was not her accent or anything like that, but she sounded really nice, she, but when she didn't get what she wanted, you can tell that she was almost about to turn. And Marcel does um, towards the end of the episode and in, in another couple of scenes moving forward. But basically oh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go and bring all this stuff in and maybe after a couple of hours you may remember. But then we find out she's been there for a couple of days and all this poor kid wants to do is go home. But, but leading to what you said about, you know, stranger danger, the one thing I'll give Kathy for, it doesn't matter how many presents she got, how many – of these beautiful things she did want. All she wanted to do was go home and be with her own doll. So I'll give her credit for that. Yeah, exactly. You know, the other thing too, again, I don't mean to, to, <laughs> to, to harp on any of the particulars. I know we have to have an episode here and right. And, and built into that in this particular one is that Kathy has taken and uh, so much of the rest of the episode revolves around that. But you just also have to wonder just in terms of the strategy here, would it not have been easier and more efficient for these bad guys? Like it turns out that Kathy doesn't remember all the details. She remembers that it's Saturday at 10 o'clock, but she doesn't remember where, but when the villains hatch their plot, they don't know that she's going to forget a key piece of this. Right. 
So this whole plan to take her would it mm. not have made more sense for Slugger to just go there and be like, hey, I'm Superman. I think you got a call that was meant for me. Can you tell me what they said? It's like you could just avoid. Because look, uh, on top of the risk that they're taking, they're also, they got to buy cake. They got to buy ice cream. They're buying all these toys. I mean, they're incurring a huge expense for this. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. It's just funny. I'm like, yeah, you went to a lot of trouble for for what could have potentially been, and for all they knew at the beginning was going to be a relatively quick mission. Interesting. It is. And then when we find out eventually how she remembers where the location is, it's actually, she didn't remember. It's just because of her doll just decided to start singing a very, you know, one of those songs that, hang on a minute, that word and that song, I now remember. It makes everything come back. So it all makes sense in the end, but I completely understand they've, they could have, this, this episode should have been over in 15 minutes if they actually did everything properly. If they were, if they were actually villain, villain 101, yeah, this episode would have been done in 15 minutes and they would have got the plates. But, you know, we know that's not how it happens in these in these episodes. <laughs> no, it's it's true. And as to the little button to this scene is uh, Marcel and Marie are like, oh, we'll call your mother. And, and then uh, poor dim slugger actually goes <laughs> to call the mother and Marcel reprimands him and calls him a fool or an idiot. And the, the end of that scene is close up on slugger's face. And he's like, that ain't nice. <laughs> but you see, you know, you see the turn starting here, right? Where, you know, yeah. the, not everything is copacetic between them and, you know, that'll continue to build, but it was interesting to, to see that. So after this scene with, Marcel and Marie and Slugger and Kathy, we go back to the Daily Planet and we have this moment that I was talking about before where Lois is upset. She's reading about this other paper. You get this hint of a larger public turn uh, against Superman for allegedly taking this girl. I mean, I, again, I just wish, I wish we had seen anything more with this. Like, was there any, any attempt at bringing Superman in? I mean, Henderson was in this episode. It wouldn't have been unnatural mm. to have a conversation. Now, on that point, I mean, Henderson, of course, is firmly in, you know, he's in the Superman camp here. So maybe Superman just kind of got things squared away with Henderson. But again, these other papers are still not satisfied. I don't know. But we're, we're in the office. Lois is upset about that. And then the clerk, the clerk from the tobacco shop shows up. Because now there's been this uh, reward. The Daily Planet has put out this reward for information on the missing girl. And so the clerk comes in and he, he tells them about these two people, Marcel and Marie, who came in looking for information on uh, on the guy who had gotten shot and the the bit about the piece of paper and all that. And, and like you said, for Clark, the wheels start turning. He's like, Marcel and Marie, and they sound French. So he, I love I love in all of these all of these old shows, whether it's watching watching this now or you know a modern show set in the past like Mad Men. It's like you just pick up the phone and talk to the operators. Clark's just like, get me the FBI. Like, <laughs> uh, so that was great. And he's got a contact there at the FBI and it will, he'll get information on that uh, later on. But Lois uh, realizes, I love how Lois is you know, always looking for an opportunity to help Superman, right? And she sees this as, you know, clearly there were these people who were looking into this guy who got killed. The number that they had gotten was was tied to Kathy. So they knew that, you know, these two were, you know, presumably involved somehow. So Lois sees this as, okay, this is a way to vindicate Superman. So she wants to go and talk to Kathy's mom. So I thought that was, I like, you know, I like that aspect from Lois's part. Yeah, it was, I like this whole, this whole couple of scenes put together. Um, I think the, the paper you're talking about was the Daily Blaine, I think they said, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. The fact that they had, 
um, like competing newspapers back in the day. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, but I love the fact of Mr. Perkins, uh, even when he first came in, even my my first question would be, well, haven't you gone to the police with this? And I love the fact that Clark asked, asked him the same question and pretty much, uh, you know, his answer was going to be, oh, because of Superman and there's a reward. So that's why he's come, come to. And then he put two and two together and even he said, I made the phone call and found out that it was Mrs. Williams' right. his house. So that's when he decided to come through. But, yeah, 100% with Lois. I love the fact that as soon as she realized, that, hang on a minute, this is a way that I can get Superman off the hooks. I'm going to go straight to uh, Mrs. Williams' house, let her know that this, we know who the real people are that took your daughter. Superman is innocent. But I love the fact when Lois does arrive at that, which we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into, I think, the next scene, I think, when – uh, the two have gone over to pick up the doll, or is it after that? I just love the fact that no one has a key to get into anywhere or breaks in. They just walk straight in. <laughs> and Lo- Lois does it as well. And then later on when they go to the, the warehouse, they walk straight in as well. There's no locks back in the 50s. I, I, I just thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you would think with the Williams apartment in particular, we've had an abduction. You would think they would sort of uh, <laughs> double down on security there. But – yeah, there's just one brief scene in between where, although it is a key scene yeah. where Kathy still can't remember. And this is where, like you said, Slugger brings home all these toys. They're primarily boy, yeah. what would be considered boys toys, right? Uh, and she still can't remember. He gets her, he does get her a doll, but she's like, that's not Mike. I want my doll. And so Marcel and Marie have this idea that maybe the doll will help jog her memory. Again, it's, <laughs> it's like a lot of work that they have mm. to go through. Uh, you know, in terms of keeping her here, uh, everything that they're trying to do to to keep her placated and also jog her memory. And now that you, you talk about a risky endeavor, like returning to the scene of the crime for a doll, but yep. they do it. And like you said, in that next scene, that's where uh, Lois and Marcel and Marie converge. And, you know, they have a little bit of a standoff there. But again, these are not these are not the violent thugs from Night of Terror. So they don't go after her. In fact, the opposite. Lois follows them in the cab. Mm, yeah, uh, but then loses them at, at a certain point. But, uh, but yeah, we did have that that interaction there. So we go back to the Daily Planet. Clark uh, has gotten photos from the FBI of Marcel and Marie. Perkins confirms that that's who had come into the tobacco shop. Uh, so then Clark goes to Perry. They talk about how Marcel and Marie are these French counterfeiters. Uh, we get more of the backstory now. Uh, Marcel and Marie yep. had hired this guy named LaRue to steal these these plates from the, from the, the bank. Uh, but then LaRue double-crossed them and was planning and came to America and was planning to sell them to Big Jim Hanlon. And that sale, the meeting for that sale, that's what Cusack had gotten information about and was trying to pass along to them when he got killed. And so at this point, after we have this exchange of information, Lois comes in, explains that she had encountered Marcel and Marie and followed them in the cab as long as for as long as she could. And then Clark calls the the cab company. So <laughs> big exposition scene. We got a lot of information here. Was there anything else that stood out to you in the scene? I th- I'm actually glad that they did it because it actually made us all go, oh, okay, now I understand what the whole storyline's about. And rather than making us try to think about how did this happen. So I loved, I had to watch it a couple of times to uh, get my head around it all, but I love the fact of how they did it. Uh, initially when I was watching it and I saw Lois come back to the Daily Planet, I thought, oh, I thought she followed the, the, the villains, but then obviously we find out that she did. She just lost them when they went into the cab. And then straight away, I love the fact that you can just call a cab company, just say I'm from the Daily Planet. 
oh, can you tell this driver, because there's only one driver on this particular day going to that street um, that will come back and tell me with a man and a woman. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just thought – uh, it was it was good to get that information out. We all knew what pages were on. We knew who Cusack was, and we get to meet Larue um, very shortly as well. And and there is a big a big bad guy in this whole, which we see for like three seconds in the in the episode, and he, he and he gets and he gets caught straight away. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was um, really well put together. Yeah, agreed. It's it's funny this business with having to call the cab company and everything because it's. <laughs> You're, you know, we just needed to kill some time, right? We weren't there you yeah. know, because it ends up not being particularly hard for Clark to get the information from the driver. But we like we need to wait a couple of scenes before <laughs> before he can get that information. So and that was fun. That was funny though. Just sitting on the couch, just what literally Perry said. Oh, it's just the waiting game now. And literally when the phone rings, you see Lois and Clark. I'm pretty sure Clark was asleep. <laughs> yes, I know he's got the hat pulled down over his head. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a laugh. The fact that they literally were doing nothing until this phone rang. So I thought that was pretty funny. It's it's very much reminiscent of the previous episode when he's waiting to hear about the hotels, you know, the three different hotels with well in it. And I just thought, okay, so we're, I like how the bit of continuity in that respect, we had to wait. It's not going to happen instantly because we haven't got smartphones. And, but yeah, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. And again, you know, I know we talked about this in the last episode, but I know it's, it is, Look, the show is made and set in the 50s. So of course, especially when it comes to technology, it's, it's going to be vastly different. But yeah, there are certain episodes where, and Night of Terror, I think, is a great example where, uh, you know, the, just the lack of technology gives you an episode, right? Yeah. I mean, you could finagle ways to make it work, right? When Lois is at the cabin, if it were taking place today, she'd have a cell phone, but maybe it's a dead zone. You know, you can still kind of do a version of it. But, uh, but yeah, it is... It is fine. No, I do. I do love, and like you said, again, just calling up the cab company, getting a call back directly from the driver. It's just like, <laughs> what world is this? Uh, so anyway, we go back to uh, so while the Daily Planet staff is waiting, we're back at the apartment. Slugger and the girl—they've really bonded. Oh, because he's—I I mean, I think mentally he's—they're on the same level here, and he's playing Tin Soldier with her, and and, and all of that. He talks about how tough he is, and. Uh, you know what's <laughs> I wonder here? What's your take on this? How savvy is Kathy in uh, this scene? What 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 do you think? My notes say this reverse psychology. She for a seven year old, she is very smart. Like the fact that she said, "Oh, uh, can you take me home?" And then before he could answer, his base, "Oh, it's because you're afraid of them, aren't you?" And then he gets up and goes. Well, I'll tell you about the story that I, you know, I fought suck, you know, so and so, and basically say, and then he picks her up on his back and then starts to walk out, and then obviously Maria and Marcel um, come back, and yeah, she was very, she's very clever. She knew, you know, she got on Slugger's side. I love how he was dressed, by the way. He had like a strainer on his head, um, you know, because you can see, you know, I was like I said, I really liked the character. I love love where he was going. You could just tell he just had a big heart. Um, and, you know, I wanted to look after Kathy and, you know, and Kathy was in a happy place, even though she wanted to go home. Like, and so, and as you spoke about before, these villains are not the nasty villains. They actually, I wouldn't say care about people, but the smart thing to do was to leave Slugger there. Initially, you would think, well, Slugger, you know where this apartment is. You go back there and find the doll. We'll stay here with Kathy. But they they didn't. They actually thought that this would be the smarter move. And, you know, it almost worked until Maria and Marcel come back. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, they catch Slugger trying to return her to her home. And we instantly cut to the next scene and Slugger's been tied up and Kathy's on the couch. And, you know, now they're pretty much done playing here, right? They want the information. This is where, like you said, Marcel really kind of takes over and, and uh, you know, it be- becomes more forceful. But the the doll goes off, the song starts playing and that jogs Kathy's memory. And she remembers the, the name of the engraving company factory, whatever, where this meet is taking place. And... This this next exchange definitely stood out to me because Marcel and Marie have to decide what to do with them and with Kathy in particular. And like we said, the the ultimate decision is Marcel, you know, yanks the brace off of Kathy's leg and she's crying. And it's especially as parents, it's like here, what's like this is terrible? Yeah. And he puts it up on the on the the mantle there so she can't get it and so she really can't move now. But he actually did her a favor because it's it's a small moment, but Marie is clearly implying that they need to like take her out because she says to Marcel something like, you know, don't you think we should, you know, and she doesn't complete the sentence, but the implication seems pretty clear that she's intending to per- make sure that Kathy can't say anything ever. Harsh. Yeah, like I said, and this is the, the dark scene I was talking about and- yeah, you know, hearing a young girl scream like that, especially when you know taking the brace off, because even before that, Marcel goes, "She can't walk anyway." However, to make sure she definitely can't do anything, we'll do this. Uh, it was very hard. Like, yeah, you know, we didn't get to see. Obviously, we heard, but it was very heartbreaking to watch. And uh, obviously, the next time we see both her and Slugger, you know, they're being rescued by um, Inspector Henderson and the police. But, but yeah. And, so we definitely see the tales of the two. And at the end, um, when we, we'll get to it in a minute, Maria is the one actually escaping. She's trying to get out. She doesn't care about Marcel. She's, she's gone. Um, so yeah, very interesting. You see where their relationship was in the end. <laughs> yes, very much so. And yeah, it is, it is harsh. It is harsh with Kathy. I mean, we've seen this girl really can't move without crutches anyway. So to now yep. further take the brace off, although I mean, I, you know, not, not to, I, you know, it's like she could still crawl. I mean, they, you know, like they didn't, I don't, yeah. right. Or did they tie her up? I don't remember. I know Slugger uh, was definitely uh, tied up. Didn't tie her up. But one thing that gets me taking the brace off, I get it. But the fact that it was still in the apartment, they put it literally like three meters away from her. Um, you know, she, she's a pretty smart girl. We saw what she did to Slugger. So I'm pretty sure she would have come up with a way to get the brace back. Um, I couldn't see the crutches in the room, so I don't know whether they were placed somewhere else unless I just wasn't looking for them close enough. So maybe that's – because all they had to do was take the crutches away. Right. Like she, she can't really move. Like I said, she can crawl, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think they made probably a step too far that they needed to, but I understand why for, you know, the, the, the sake of the scene. But, but, yeah, gladly they were safe and sound in the next couple of scenes moving forward. Yeah, look, and not like I want to see – you know, Kathy's brace got taken off or anything like that. But <laughs> there, that's something about this first season. These episodes do have teeth and yeah. th- there's something to be said for that. There's, you know, there, there are stakes and, 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 you know, it can be like night of terror was intense. So uh, as much as I, I am a big fan of season two and I will go into the color seasons with an open mind, <laughs> uh, I, you know, this first, I mean, really the first two seasons, I, I you know, I, I hold up so, so highly. So back at the Daily Planet, this is what we were talking about. They're waiting around. Clark <laughs> seems like he's asleep. Uh, the cab driver calls. They get the address. Lois and Clark go off. They meet uh, Henderson at the uh, at the apartment. He's already gotten there. They're untying Slugger. 
Uh, he's talking about how Slugger will probably get off lightly for cooperating. So, you know, maybe we'll have a little bit of a happy ending there. So that's that's a nice moment. And uh, again, Lois and Clark go there and they get the address uh, from, you know, from Kathy about where uh, where Marie and Marcel were off to. And I love this bit where Clark goes, <laughs> Clark goes, uh, he goes, oh, this is a job for, oh, I mean, I better get going. <laughs> And Lois just like <laughs> stares at him. It's uh, it's great. It's great. Oh, exactly. Yeah, this is a job for Superman. I mean, I've got to find him. You know, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, you know, he's off as Superman. But before before Superman arrives, we go to this engraving factory where uh, LaRue is in there. He's waiting for Big Jim Hanlon to sell these plates that he had stolen for Marcel and Marie, but then he double-crossed them. But before Hanlon arrives, Marcel and Marie show up. And we have a, a, a face-off, a shootout, and then of course Superman intervenes. What 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 stood out to you about this? Our big action sequence of the episode here. Um, the first part I, I found funny was when Marcel and Maria rock up and find Larue. He goes, "Oh, um, you know, they said, oh, you're trying to double crop whatever they said, but he said, uh, pretty much said, we're not here for Hamlin.' But he, you can hear him in the background going, "Is that you, Hamlin?" <laughs> when Marcel and Maria are walking in. So when he's trying to talk his way out of it, he's already off to a bad start, really. Um, but then all of a sudden, they it's almost like they found hiding, hiding spots before they started shooting at each other. Did you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't clock that specifically. That's so funny, though. Um, but then, yeah, we saw, you know, they had the interaction. Um, you know, uh, LaRue's trying to say, oh, I don't have the plates. But then we find them. He does have them. They're on the floor when he starts shooting. Superman arrives, and this is what I found a bit interesting. So Superman stops LaRue, takes his gun off him, and then you see Marcel, it looks like he's still playing around with his gun to put bullets in it or whatever, but then all of a sudden it goes off and shoots LaRue, who is who had, has no weapon on him. So basically, you know, it, and Superman looks at him pretty much like, well, what are you doing? You're shooting an unarmed man. And, uh, yeah, I was – very intrigued by that aspect of this scene. It was just, the, the, there's no need for that to happen. I don't know whether that was a mistake or whether, I don't know, but yeah, it was interesting that, that section of the final scene. Yeah, I know it, it, it it's a good question. I know that again, you know, just like the, we were talking about the, um, you know, Cusack getting shot earlier and, and, and just the, the fisticuffs, right. The level of, of, yeah. of violence that you get in these episodes. Um, you know, again, it's not a, it's not a surprise. I've seen them all and, and everything, but it just, I, I kind of always have in mind where the show is going. And so like, these moments really do stand out. Yeah, exactly. And so we see, we see LaRue get shot by Marcel and then Superman goes to stop, stop Marcel Maria, as we said before, she's just taken off. She's out of there. Um, Henderson's rocked up, you know, at the same time as Hanlon rocked up, which I thought was pretty funny. And then Hanlon's going, oh, I've got you. Maria walks out. I've got you. Walks her back in. And then I love the part then when, you know, Marcel goes to Maria, grab the plates, get rid of them. And she throws them into the vat of acid. I, I can think of a Superman 3, but anyway, moving moving forward. Um, but, but I just love the fact that Superman grabs these plates straight away. Yes, we know acid doesn't do anything to him, but I'm pretty confident that it doesn't matter if you're in there for one millisecond or three seconds, those plates are not going to be – they're going to be worthless after that. But I just love the fact that he just wipes them down with a, the rag and goes, here, Inspector Henderson, here's your plates. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah, look, I'm no scientist. If anyone is out there listening and we're totally off on this, then the plates would be fine. Please let me know. But I know I had a similar thought about that. So the bad guys are apprehended. Kathy has returned home. And then we got the final the wrap up here that we had talked about earlier where Superman shows up. Kathy's reading the comic. And he's like, I, you know, I heard you wanted to go to the fair. And so we have this final sequence, fairly like a relatively lengthy sequence here at the end is Superman's flying her through Metropolis. And like we said, we have that shot that we also see in the opening credits of the crowd looking up. Uh, you know, a very wholesome, heartwarming ending to this to this episode, I guess, that Kathy got her wish uh, that we had started the episode with. Did, did you feel like this was a, a, a satisfying, fitting payoff to this episode? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, I like the fact that they turned it around, the fact that the, the first scene and the last scene marry up with the fact that this is what, you know, Kathy wa- really wanted for her birthday and this is what she got pretty much. Um, there was a beautiful scene at the end. You, you know, you see Kathy obviously putting her arms around Superman and giving her a big, giving him a big kiss as well, which was so sweet to, to look at and stuff like that. And it gave you the feels at the end as well, especially after, you know, we saw that scene not too long ago with, you know, Kathy getting the brace taken off. So I love the fact we saw that, uh, it was just that scene when Superman flew in initially and you could just see that she was a bit hesitant with Superman. I thought she would have been a lot more excited. Um, the fact that this is what she wanted, but that, I don't know whether it was just her acting skills or whether they actually said to her, well, look, you just got kidnapped by a fake Superman. So just be, this may not be the real one. So, but, um, but yeah, uh, uh, a nice ending to say the least. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what? You're right. I mean, in fairness to Kathy, although it's not, See, it would work, it would actually work more if she were conveying more, like, almost fear or apprehension when Superman shows up. Like, oh no, it could be another imposter sort of thing. But mm. I, I know yeah. it is a little bit more, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I guess just sort of a, a more detached reaction. I don't know, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they have this moment and uh, yeah, nice, uh, nice ending to the episode. Yeah, overall, we'll give our, our ratings in a second. I... Yeah, I mean, again, I I enjoyed it well enough. I I don't know. There was just something that didn't I don't know that didn't totally grab me. Not a bad episode, but yeah, uh, not not one that I would put on my list of top top season one episodes. I guess. Yeah, and we didn't have Jimmy. Like no. Jimmy wasn't there for this episode as well, and he brings so much life and character into each episode that he has as well. I don't know whether that was an aspect. Um. An episode I'd watch again, definitely. I think I enjoyed it for the fun aspect of it, uh, but I just think there was way too many coincidences in this episode um, to make it, like, not make you think outside the box um, after you've actually watched it through and through. But, yeah, enjoyable episode to say the least, but um, ranking side of things, how would I rank it? Yeah, but which we'll come up with in a second. It's, it's, yeah, it's probably not the highest ranking episode that I've seen. But looking back actually through the first seven episodes on IMDb, this is actually the second highest rated episode that people, just through the first seven episodes um, beyond the pilot, which was, I think it was 8.1. This was a 7.4. So it wasn't that far behind um, just from an IMDb space. I'm not talking about Rotten Tomatoes or anything. So interesting to say uh, the least in regards to those aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, for people who enjoyed it right on, I, I, you know, and again, I didn't, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't enjoy it maybe as much as certain others. So let's give our review. We have our five fedora rating system here. So out of, <laughs> out of five fedoras, how many would you give this episode? I'd have to go at two. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Like I said, I enjoyed the, I, lo- I love Slugger. It, it was basically the reason why I love this episode. I, I like Kathy's storyline. Like I, um, 
I understand why they brought it in to the storyline, I suppose. But like you said, the terminology they use, we couldn't, we can't use today, but we understand what it's all about. Uh, enjoyable episode to say the least. Like I said, it wasn't a bad episode. It wasn't one I would say, don't watch this. Uh, but yeah, and, but uh, two overall for me. That's very, very fair. I, you know what? I'm going to say two and a half. I'm just going like right down the middle. That's sort of, I guess, how I feel about this one. It feels like right down the middle sort of episode. So I'll go two and a half. Part of me feels like two is probably the more appropriate one for this as I, <laughs> as I kind of think about all of it. But you know what always happens? And this is, you know, we've talked about this with guests, either on or off mic. You know, we have fun talking about the episode. And then I think sometimes that like gives me at least a, a overall a more favorable impression of the entire episode. I had fun talking about it and it's like, Oh yeah, that episode yeah. was good. But yeah, in and of itself, two is probably more accurate. I'm going to go two and a half though. I feel like right down the middle. So two and a half for me and two for you right on. Yep. Perfect. And I was thinking of two and a half as well, but yeah, I was, I was on the cusp of either way, shape and a form, but you're hundred you're percent correct with regards to having a discussion about anything in like, like when, if something's not as good as something else, you probably have more to talk about. Uh, like I've, I've been an instructor um, in my career. And if you give someone a, a not so good lesson, there's obviously more stuff to come out of, like from the debrief, whether they gave a good lesson, um, you know, basically it'll be over within three minutes other than 10 minutes. So I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. and But, it's, but it makes for more enjoyable discussion for, for sure. Absolutely. Well, listen, Nathan, thank you very much. I Like we were saying, I really, really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. And I'm so glad. I love that you've been watching uh, the, the show along with us. That's great. I hope other people are as well. I hope that, you know, I don't know if this has inspired anyone to watch for the first time. That'd be awesome. But even if it's just to revisit, rediscover, that's wonderful. That's what I'm doing here myself. So I, I love if other people are joining us. So Nathan, again, thank you very much. Once again, I hope everyone checks out Superman, the animated podcast and where can they follow you on social media? Uh, definitely. They can find me on social media on Twitter at sup animated pod while it's still there. Uh, and on Instagram with the same, same name, sup animated pond pod, and they can go on to Facebook at Superman, the animated podcast, and you can find the podcast wherever you can listen to your pod, favorite podcast. So yeah, um, hope to hear from you soon. Right on. Well, I hope everyone will check that out. Thank you again, Nathan. Thank you, audience. As always, I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed our episode here. Uh, we will be back with new episodes in January. So happy holidays. Happy New Year. I hope that you have a safe, healthy, happy, enjoyable time. We'll be back in January with episode eight of season, uh, season one. Make sure you join us. Adventures await. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC Movie Rewatch podcast, at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.